Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, we will talk about a heated, a heated topic that's been around the news for a long time now. The failed IPO of WeWork. And as a result of that, people have been scrutinizing WeWork and its governance. What has been Adam Newman been up to and SoftBank and JP Morgan's now involved what the hell is going on with this company? We will talk about that in detail uh, and our take on this whole fiasco. Um, Hari, give us a quick disclaimer before we start, please. Yeah, this is a value investor uh, TV podcast. It's the vo podcast that helps you understand how value investing works. We are not financial advisors and don't know your financial situation. So please consult with an advisor before making any decisions. Excellent. Um, this is, you know, this episode is similar to one, the one that we did before, 82, uh, episode 82, just a prior episode where we uh, are, you know, talking about a specific articles uh, and just talking about our thoughts on them. Uh, and this is something that we've done very frequently when I was working with Hari uh, at the same company. Now that we work for a different company, I thought this was a good opportunity to do that. Um, Hari and myself and an opportunity to open up our dialogue to all of our listeners so that uh, we can share our thoughts about these things. For example, we work in the previous episode, we talked about Berkshire Hathaway and then also the fact that companies are splitting chairman and CEO roles when times get tough. Okay. So in this episode, uh, a lot of juicy details with WeWork, with Adam Newman, this charismatic CEO and founder. Uh, and the, the whole fiasco that's been unfolding for the past few weeks. Uh, but what's interesting is, Hari, um, actually, let me, let me just start with this uh, Wall Street Journal article. The fall of WeWork, comma, how a startup darling came unglued. Uh, this, this, was published, uh, this was published in October 24th. And I think, I think uh, this article kind of nicely summarizes what, what happened the fall of WeWork uh, and the sub subtitle, the cliff dive has little precedent, even in the boom and bust world of venture capital. It's pretty astounding, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, to... it's Go pretty hard. It's pretty hard to imagine, <clears throat> you know, a company that was losing this much money. Like I, I was really hoping that they would go public, that we could actually do a full podcast on it just mm. for the laughs like of reading their ipo prospectus and their you know their annual report because i mean it, this is a business that for those of you who don't know they will lease office space from another uh like a, a commercial real estate uh you know a building basically uh remodel it and then rent it out on short-term leases and and the idea is that you know there are other companies that do this Re regis is one of them and, uh, you know, typically commercial real estate is five-year leases, right? It's five-year leases. If you leave the building, you have to sublease it or pay pay out, um, you know, the lease. Um, and so WeWork was essentially saying, you know, and the reason that you ask for the buildings ask for five-year leases is you don't want a lot of turnover. It's very expensive to find a new person. Uh, and you want that the cost of their remodel to be amortized over you know, the five-year period. So WeWork, I think, is the largest tenant in New York City. 
and mm-hmm. had this just enormous amount of office space. And in, and they were renting places in China and Hong Kong and all over the world. And really, there's no benefit. If I live in Houston, Texas, there's no benefit for a we for me to have a WeWork subscription in China, right? Like, I don't get any benefit if I leave, you know, if unless I travel to China and need to work somewhere, right? It's a it's a fairly fleeting thing to begin with. Um, but on top of that, if you're a startup, most startups fail within the first three to six months. So WeWork is having to constantly find people to come into their office space, right? So, and the, and and it's clear from their, you know, their just looking at their P&L, they're losing money hand over fist, right? Yeah. Um, you know, five, just six, a, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead and tell them how much they're losing. Yeah, this was, you know, this is in the article, the Wall Street Journal article we were talking about. In the most recent quarter in Q2 2019, they lost $500, $500 million. This is net net loss. And the most they've lost in a single quarter is $589 million. And that was Q4 2018. And not, not a single quarter did they actually make any money. The closest they've gotten to is negative $25 million. That was in Q2 2017. Just some color for you guys. Yeah, so I mean, you want to think about how ridiculous that is, right? This is a company that's trying to raise money, which they they got from SoftBank. SoftBank valued them at forty seven billion dollars. There was a down round yeah. afterwards, <laughs> uh, you know, which valued them at like less than thirty, and then the IPO failed because people were, you know, short sellers. I imagine were just drooling to you know short this thing out of existence and then they were they canceled the ipo and had to go get a private debt funding for valuing the company at around eight billion dollars and now uh softbank owns about 80 percent of the company now why softbank would even touch this thing i i don't understand you know this guy is just crazy because he's also invested in uber and all of these other money losing businesses yeah we're talking about maya uh masa masa son he's the yeah he's the founder of softbank yeah so and he 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 is raising money from a, a vision fund is what he called it a hundred billion dollar vision fund raising money from um saudis you know, saudis and other groups um so a- a- anyway i i think the you know, one of the things that you and you and I talk about a lot is flawed business models, right? And, you know, how just because something is new or they use the word tech doesn't mean that it actually, you know, if you make software, right, you can have a very high return on equity because the cost of making another version of the software or, you know, another copy of the software is basically free, right? There is no software benefit for WeWork, right? There is no software benefit for Uber or Lyft.
Ari, yeah, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. All right, let me get this set up again. I'm... You still there? Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah. I, you're, I have no video. Okay, there you are. Okay. All right. Okay. So you were talking about you were talking about the software benefit of software, Ari? Yeah, so the, the benefits of software are pretty obvious, right? You can you can print another copy of a thing for essentially nothing. But imagine, you know, what they are pitching in these Silicon Valley meeting rooms is um Uber and Lyft, it's a software application to get, you know, a a, a car ride. Well, the car ride itself has expense. Right. And as we saw when we talked about Lyft, a lot of it is actually the insurance of managing the insurance cost for running a commercial fleet of vehicles. Right. And it's and and most insurance companies don't want to take on that burden. And so Lyft and and Uber are self-insuring that that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're running into a lot of non-software things when running these businesses. We work as a hard asset business. Right. And, and there is no benefit of software in this case. And, you know, the, the Adam Newman, who is the CEO, um, was think, saying things like WeWork's mission is to elevate the world's consciousness and, you know, stuff like that. And Lyft had the same kind of similar, you know, BS sounding, you know, words that they put into their IPO prospectus. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they're going to take over 95 percent of transportation. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, I think if I could just add one more one thing there is I think a lot of these companies nowadays are craving for the sort of valuation that you get when you're a tech company, right? Yeah. When you claim yourself as a tech company, you get the benefit of, for whatever reason, you get the benefit of just crazy, insane valuation. So even though you, you have these other tech, tech adjacent businesses like WeWork, for example, they have to they have to spin it in a way that oh it's a tech company so therefore you get bigger valuation when in fact it, it really is it's totally not the case yeah and i and i think the uh thing is that we have seen these kind of scams with other companies theranos um you know had no business you know they didn't actually make a real product um we work has a real product but they're giving it away essentially you know i i don't know what what it would cost but you know they you know, I, I've looked at a, a WeWork office space, um, and you know they charge like two fifty or three hundred dollars a month for an office. And if I were a sell, you know contractor or something like that, I want to get out of the house. That may make sense for me to make that, but really they need to be charging closer to five hundred dollars a month. I'm just give, using these numbers as an example. It doesn't make sense for you know five hundred dollars is going to make a lot of people walk away from it, right? 250 it makes a little more sense. And the same thing is happening with Uber and Lyft, right? A ride that should cost $20, they're charging you 10 for. Mm-hmm. And so they're not and, covering their costs with it. Yeah. Well, one thing about Uber that I want to mention, living in San Francisco now, they're kind of hiking up the price. Yeah. You know, now they've become a public company. They need to learn how to make money. So they're kind of hiking up the price and people are screaming and saying, I, I'm not going to ride Uber anymore. Well, and it, everyone it, is everyone is resorting to like Uber Pool. It's another product that they've introduced, and you know, I mean, we'll see what happens there. But um, that's yeah, that's that's going that's going to the heart of the matter of what you're talking about there, Hari. Well, and and I think Wall Street will not be very forgiving if their revenue has to go down, right, in order to make their 
profits work, right? I, I mean, the I, I I like two years ago I would use Uber, you know, two or three times a month. Uh, I'm now down to maybe a couple of rides for the whole year, and they're usually for work, right? Where I'm getting reimbursed for it, where I care less about the price. Um, so I, I you know, I I think it's it's in the same kind of you know situation here. WeWork has, you know, created a, a market for themselves that was never going to be sustainable, right? And rather than try and pull back or have investors say, why are you going, you know, they were, they were kept funneling money into them, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though Adam Newman is the, the poster child for this, the people who funded them are also, I think, um, owners of this business and are complicit in what's going on, right? I agree. Yeah, I just want to mention one more. Yeah, on on that point, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I myself is also guilty of it. It's just classic, just scapegoating mechanism that a lot of people, a lot of us use. We humans, you know, as Adam Newman is an easy target. But the reality is, like you said, Ari, it's the entire, you know, entire cadre of people that made this possible for Adam Newman for this for this. And I joke around with my coworkers this. This uh, this absurd level of wealth transfer from SoftBank to Adam Newman, yeah, <laughs> and then SoftBank or or WeWork is just a a front that Adam Adam Newman used, and the whole cadre of people involved, you know, involving Adam Newman, uh, uh, Massa, and and everyone else involved in this, they need they 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 then themselves the entirety of them. Uh, is to be be uh, blamed for this. Well, and and let's not forget, you know, there are real people that are affected by this, right? Adam Newman is getting a almost a billion dollar payout. Meanwhile, there are a lot of employees who worked for WeWork and who could have probably gotten jobs elsewhere, um, you know, with their talent, are probably their options are now underwater, right? And and that means that they won't be able to cash out options that they were given. Um, you know, in the the idea that the IPO would come, you know, would happen, they'd have a big payday, and then they would be able to cash in. Um, a lot of that is not going to happen now, and you know, I, I I think you know, I'm not too worked up about it because you know I think these people are getting paid a lot of money, and you know they can go get jobs elsewhere. You know, you're not guaranteed these things in life, but the idea that Adam Newman would make a profit off of this where he didn't actually build a successful business, right? Um, yeah. is, is, I, is I think the, the terrible tragedy in this whole entire situation is that he owned so much of this company that in order to keep it around, Sun bought the rights to the business basically from him so that they could make this an ongoing concern. And what they yeah. should have done is just let it die, right? I mean, this, yeah. this business didn't have any bit, you know, it didn't belong Right. It was a failed experiment and then it became too big to fail. And so, you know, you threw more bad money after good. Actually, more bad money after bad money <laughs> really yeah. here. And yeah. And now you're seeing this, you know, thing uh, implode. And, and, and frankly, I don't know how this is going to survive even with this, you know, this setup. Right. They're saying they're yeah. going to slash their costs and all of this stuff. And it's like it doesn't matter when. The fundamental thing you're trying to sell is you're selling it at, at below cost, right? Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I think fundamentally, you know, we talk a lot about as value investors, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about the fundamentals and why analyzing the fundamental and that the first part of the checklist is so important. And it goes to the heart of this matter, right? 
if you you have to have a you have to have a company that is able to protect its moat, have a moat to begin with, and be able to protect it, and all those things have to make sense. And you look at the business, and it just it doesn't it doesn't hold up to the test of our checklist. Uh, so what I mean, I yeah, I think a couple you know a couple minutes left before we have to I call this an episode. Um, what 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 would you say that what would be kind of the lessons learned from here as as us retail value investors looking at this fiasco unfold what what are some of the key lessons that we can take away from this yeah i think one any business that is ipoing with the intent of getting a payday for their early investors right which is a lot of companies nowadays right you should be very wary of them right if the if the company is cuz what what we have seen is private valuations have skyrocketed lately, right? Look at uh, Beyond Meat, right? Which is another good example. You know, they IPO'd at $24 a share. They peaked at $240 a share. And now they're trading at like $80 a share after they dropped by like 20% in, you know, in a a day because of the lockup period, the six-month lockup period expired, right? What I want to see is what Bill Gates did or what Jeff Bezos did is after six months, they didn't sell anything, right? If they're going to sell out, then they know there's something that they're telling you, which is, yeah, maybe they sell a little bit, but if they're if they're dumping mass amounts of shares on the market, that's telling you that they don't even believe in the business themselves, right? Yeah. And, and that should be scary to you as an investor, right? Because the real money... You know, most of these businesses, if they were, if they existed in the '90s and 2000s, would have been unprofitable businesses that IPO'd. But they had, they said, you know, we are on a growth trajectory, and we're going to keep going on this trajectory for a few more years and then become profitable. And many of them did, you know, um, Priceline and these kind of companies like that. Yeah, but what what Amazon. Ha- Amazon and Amazon was, I think, marginally profitable even when they IPO'd. Um, but uh, what we don't see is we see VCs telling them, no, you need to keep growing revenue, keep growing eyeballs, keep growing these soft metrics that are not real you know, dollars and keep growing them quickly and we'll fund it. And then it gets to a point where it's too large for it to be um, to exist outside of, you know, and they need a payday. So they dump it in the IPO. Right. And so. As a rule, I don't invest in IPOs, period, right? It, and, you know, for this reason. But, you know, you want some, you know, operating history before you, you move to a company, you know, uh, you know to, to see a business as a publicly traded business. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that's kind of the lesson that I take away from this is it's good validation that these IPOs are very dangerous, right? Because they're not run by people who are looking for their long-term interests. They're looking for people who want a payday. Yeah, I would I would echo that. Uh, I would echo that 100%. Sorry, you know the the fact that people are wanting paydays and um, and this kind of short termism mindset about running businesses. You know, I'm currently located in San Francisco, and you know, in Silicon Valley area, and you know, the sense I get living here is 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 this. I, I feel like. A lot of what's happening and and the, 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 the talks amongst you know people in the tech community is 
it feels like Las Vegas. It's like a gambling area. It's like it's like a gambling for techies. It's like it's like legalized gambling that's in the orders of magnitude of you know billions of dollars. If you hit it big, you hit it big and you cash out, and that's it. That's the end of the story. There's no, you know, that's the kind of sense I get. And of course, there are, of course, there are diamonds in the rough, and you can find, you know, these these needles in the haystack. But it is it it is needle in the haystack. It is very very difficult, in my opinion, to find these sorts of companies that are really looking for, you know, this precise vision of the future and pursuing that vision, you know, relentlessly and and thinking about profitability as well. I think a lot of the sentiment here is that you build a company, you cash out in three, you know, as short as two years. You know, it could take up to three to five years, three to five years, or even seven years, and you cash out, and that's the end of the story, and that's success here. Um, yeah, and and I think the, you know, as as somebody who's seen this for a long time, I would say that if that's the mentality. And your scoreboard is how much money you make, then you're never going to be satisfied, right? There's never going to be enough. There's never going to be a. You know, I, I mean, I, I think there is a point where you have enough money to be comfortable and to be happy, right? And it, I, I know this is ironic coming from an investing, you know, thing, but I think the best investors are the ones who enjoy the game, right? Which is looking for companies, reading about companies, finding the undervalued businesses, and then putting their money down. It's not so much that they have a ton of money. It's that they look for meaning in the actual work that they do, right? And what I see in a lot of people nowadays is they don't find any meaning in anything that they do. They just come to work because it's about the payday, right? And living a rock star lifestyle, which is devoid of anything, you know, meaningful, and so you don't care about what business you build. You don't care about the employees that you have. You don't care about it at all. All you care about is enriching yourself, right? And we see this with Adam Newman. I think he was a very good example of this, right? He, he you know, the article that, that you referenced, he was actually trying to um, convert uh, the NASDAQ and the NYSE cafeterias mm-hmm. to be vegetarian, no plastic straws, you know, all of this stuff. You know, he, 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 you know, he, he was treating this as, you know, if you want to do that on your personal time, fine. Right. I, 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 I may not agree with you. I like meat, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, that's your decision to do on your own personal time. Right. Um, but, but th- then you hear about this guy harassing women. Um, you know, he was smoking pot in front of a pregnant woman doing all of these things that are just you know, despicable things because, oh, I'm the king of the mountain and, you know, flying people into his Hamptons estate on the, you know, company dime and stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's just disgusting, right? Like as a, as yeah. a, a person who does that kind of stuff is charismatic and has all of these things, but is completely devoid of any moral compass. And I, that's, that is a thing that we should all avoid, right? Because when you, when you see that in a business, you, 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 what you will end up seeing is a company that will implode at some point, right? As opposed to, you know, Under Armour was a great example of that, right? Culture at that company is just toxic and you hear it and see it everywhere. And it doesn't, you you can dig and find it pretty quickly. Um, And the company imploded, right? I mean, their stock price tanked and all of these things happened because, you know, the, the, you know, 
somebody turned on the lights and everybody was, you know, butt naked, right? So <laughs> I, I love these analogies. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm just full of analogies. So I, I think the uh, the uh, the best thing that you can do is look for companies where they actually care about the business itself, and they and in order to care about the business, they have to care about things like profitability and other things. Because if yeah. they do that, then what you will see is a successful business at the long at the end of the day. It may yeah, take longer, sure. and it may be more painful, but it it it'll it'll actually work so yeah and those are those are you know going back to kind of lessons learned those are sort of the business that businesses that we should be looking after um as yep. value investors yep and you know not to say that you know and after saying things about you know after characterizing kind of silicon valley as such i i do want to preface it by saying there are there are really solid people here of course uh you know you can definitely find those but i'm just i was just making comments about how my personal opinion of how I see things and, and, uh, you know, kind of the general sentiment that I get. And, but I, but I am sure that there are decent, uh, decent people who are striving for something greater than, you know, quick payday for sure. Yeah. And I, 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 I think what I, the last thing I'll say about this is that the environment that has been created there attracts people who are going to do this right naturally. Right, people who are seeing how do I make a lot of money really quickly, it's going to attract that kind of person to come to an environment like that because they can see, right? You know, see that it's palatable. It's it's it's, e- uh... it's much easier to do it there, right? If I, if I'm trying to fleece someone and and make money, it's a lot harder to do it in Omaha, Nebraska, right? Because <laughs> there isn't a lot of VC money and there isn't a lot of people telling you, you know giving you hundreds of millions of dollars to you know to do stuff right so yeah it's just it's going to attract a certain amount of people who are just not that's not their their goal in life right so yeah and it may be it may be just i know we're going down kind of rabbit hole but one one more comment that i want to make here it may be you know this it may be the you know we want we want our capital to be used in the most efficient way possible in an ideal scenario like a, you know, like a scientific experiment, you want in and out to be hundred percent. But the reality is, you know, like combustion engines, you have, you have these inefficiencies in the system. If you put in hundred, you might get, you know, maybe 20 out, 30 out. And so it might be, it might be just inherent nature of capitalism where you have these inefficiencies in the system, um, at play and people can take advantage of that inefficiencies. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think the, the, the best thing to say about that is in the capital market, in a capitalistic society, the only loss is there is private, right? And so Sun is the only one losing in this scenario, right? You know, he's lost his, you know, money as opposed to this being a publicly bailed out company like GM was, which I don't agree with, right? You know, um, it, it yeah. is far better to let private money be, fa- you know, fail and people take risks than have governments decide who is a winner and a loser in the in you know in certain in certain the scenarios, marketplace in the marketplace yeah. and then and then that creates a bubble of things that you know is unsustainable because the, the government isn't going to necessarily pick the most efficient uh business right or business idea so yeah. anyway i you know i, I think you know if we we all know there are lots of companies that are coming out ipoing you know and and doing this and i 
and you know, in three to five years, they may have enough operating history for you to go and look at them again. And I would really caution you at that point to decide what, you know, is this company run well and has, you know, um, is it run by the original founders? Is it run by people who care about actually making a long-term vision? Or is it run by people who are trying to get a payday, right? And I, I can tell you, you're not going to make a lot of money in investing in businesses that are trying to make a payday, you know, the short-term versus long-term yeah. kind of scenario. So, Yeah, a quick payday. Long-term payday, like like Bezos or something like, someone like that. Yeah, that's another story. Every, everyone wants payday, but it's just the time the time element of this right that's important okay uh great i think we talked plenty about this and of course more news is going to be hitting us uh about we work i'm sure in the next few weeks so uh look for those in the slack channel i'll you know we'll try to post them post interesting articles there and uh if you want to sign up for our slack community please email us at info at valueinvestor.org info at valueinvestor.org and I did mention our checklist. Um, if you want that as well, email us to the same address. Um, anything else, Hari? Mm, no, I think you got it all. So okay. thank you for listening, and we really appreciate your uh, tuning in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll right. see you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.